You're listening to Travel Bubble with me, Matty Dias. The world's locked down and travelling isn't really an option. So I thought, why not do the next best thing and talk about it? From living all over the world to working as a tour guide, I've seen some amazing places and met some great people. Each week, I'll speak to globetrotters and industry professionals about their travel bubble choices to provide you with post-lockdown inspiration and top travel tips. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Travel Bubble with me, Matty Dias. Hello wherever you are in the world. Thank you for tuning in. How are you finding the old two episodes a week, the double bubble? Hope you're enjoying it and it's not too much content for you. Um, It's too much content for me, but hopefully it's not too much content for you. Like I said, nothing will change with the format. Everything stays the same, but the intros and outros might just get a bit zippier. Okay, that being said, who's looking forward to episode 16 with my guest today, Jen Duvasau? Um, you may know, you may not know, that I used to live in Haiti. So for a few a few years back, I lived in Haiti for about six months in a little city called St. Mark. I went out there teaching with Emma we were living in Spain and I wanted something a bit different than Spain. I wanted something very different. And I saw this teaching job in Haiti and applied and got the job. And it was a very, um, very strange experience. It was primarily very good. I love Haiti and I love the, the students and I love the children. But also, there was like an element of danger and we were living on like a on a school compound with guards and you didn't have much freedom because you couldn't it was it wasn't just as easy as jumping on a bus and going into Port-au-Prince nothing was that simple so although you were free to go anywhere it wasn't as easy as it sounded but one of the saving graces and one of my highlights of living in Haiti was meeting Jen she was a teacher in the school and she definitely took us under her wing and we wouldn't have had half as much fun or seen half as many things if it wasn't for Jen. I knew she'd be a great guest on this podcast because she's been around herself. She's lived and taught in South Korea, Czech Republic, Honduras, Turkey, Haiti. And now she's living in Guatemala, so she's been around. Obviously, Haiti features a bit in this episode because we, that's where we met. And we talk about our school and some of, the th- some of the stories and some of the things we get up to. So it's a good episode, but Jen's been around on her own merit as well. She's lived all over. And so I knew she was going to have some great travel bubble choices and she didn't she didn't disappoint. So I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did catching up with Jen. As usual, if you like this episode, tell your friends, share it, like us on Facebook, like us on Instagram and give us a rating wherever you can. And don't forget to subscribe as well so you don't miss out on any future episodes. But without further ado, here's episode 16, Ayeti Sherry with Jen Duvasau. Hello, Jen. Welcome to Travel Bubble. Hi, Maddie. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? Well, I'm good. I'm excited to talk to you about uh, Travel Bubble. And it's awesome listening to your other episodes. I've listened to all of them. It's neat hearing all your other people's experiences. Oh, thank you for coming on. Like. Um, I can see my stats, so 
I know that I've got one listener yourself in Guatemala. So that's good. <laughs> it makes me feel more multi multicultural. Um, so I've, I've, give, I've give the game away, but you are in Guatemala right now, yeah? I am in Guatemala. I'm in Panajachel, Guatemala. How long have you been there? Why are you there? I've been here since the beginning of October, and I teach for a school called Robert Mueller Life School, uh, first grade. So, yeah. so that's how we met in the teaching game. Yes, we met in Haiti. We met in Haiti, didn't we? A couple of years ago, and it's been a while since we actually spoke in person, so it's very nice that we've got this opportunity to, to, today know, to speak yeah. and see it's, your face. It's good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so obviously... That first five seconds, we know that you've lived in Guatemala, lived in Haiti. Why do you think I've invited you to be a guest on Travel Bubble? Uh, I I don't know. I think you invited me to be a guest because probable. I don't know. I've traveled a lot. I've lived in a lot of countries. I've lived in six countries other than Canada, and I'm very and I'm and I've been doing it since for almost twelve years. I've been living abroad, so it's a long time. Yeah, exactly. So where have you lived? I lived, so I first moved to South Korea. I lived in South Korea. Then I moved over to Europe and lived in Prague for a year in the Czech Republic. I lived in Istanbul, Turkey. Then I lived in Haiti for close to seven years. Honduras for three months. And then now Guatemala for the unforeseeable future. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? So being all over the globe, always teaching? Always. In all those countries I've taught, that's what I've been doing as my profession it is my profession too from home that's what I went to school for yeah so when did you like get that itch to leave Canada and go and teach somewhere else was it meant to be like a short-term thing or yeah it was um I so when I was finishing up college in the UK and in Canada university um I was volunteering because I thought I'd go on to law school so I was volunteering with um, the Children's Aid Society to get more um, experience, hopefully in a courtroom or anything like that. They had no volunteer work for that, but they had placements in their Head Start program. So I started teaching, but I wanted to see if it was something I really wanted to do before I kind of dove in. Um, so then I went to Korea. I liked it, but in Korea, it was kind of tough because you're more like a parrot. You're there basically just for your accent, not for your originality or for your thoughts, really. Yeah. Um, I moved over to, when I went to the Czech Republic, I actually was working in an international school in the kindergarten. So then I finally had more of a real dose of it. And then I was, I was hooked. And then after that, I just wanted to stay international. (laughs) Yeah. So what was your longest stint? Haiti. Yeah. How long were you in Haiti for at all? Close to seven years. So definitely my longest stint and probably the most interesting and crazy place I've ever lived and yeah. probably Ben. <laughs> <laughs> it, really, it really is, isn't it? I don't, I don't want to touch on it too much right now because I have a feel. I don't know. I have a feeling you might put it as a destination. So I won't ask you too many questions. But okay, it is. It is really, um, it's a really unique country. Unlike that's a good way to put it. <laughs> and like the fact that you've lived there and like i don't want to like speak negatively negatively of haiti but it's it's a struggle to live there and the fact that you lived there for seven years is a testament to yourself and uh, like <laughs> it is like yeah it is what it is but it's it's amazing but not, not but now you're out of it yeah yeah um <laughs> sorry what sorry i didn't hear that 
Yeah. So is the fact that you've lived there for seven years is is amazing. Yeah. But now you're out of it and you've you've uh you like we said yes. before the podcast, you feel a bit freer now, now that you're in Guatemala. I do. Like for me, I'll just quickly say not to dive too deep, but Haiti will always be my second home, but I need to, to get out to kind of have a refreshing view of the country that then now, hopefully going forward, I want to view it with like positive memories and go back as like vacation, not as living there. Cause I don't yeah. know if I'd ever live there again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, going yeah. back to, you grew up in Canada, you're from Ottawa. From yeah, I'm from Ottawa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember when we first met. Like you were, I remember you saying, "I'm from Ottawa. It's the capital." Like, and not not many people think of they think they think of like Vancouver. They think of Quebec. Ottawa is like this forgotten yeah. forgotten Toronto. capital. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, what we're, that's uh, yeah, that's funny. I probably say that to everybody. <laughs> yeah. Nobody. That's how I remember. Like. It's one of those countries where people guess the wrong capital. A bit like Australia, they think like Sydney or Melbourne, but it's actually Canberra. I think Canada is one of yeah. those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Canada's come up a couple of times on Travel Bubble uh, as a wild card and as a destination. What was it like growing up in this like fast, beautiful country? Um, I like it is. It's still a place I love. Like I always go home for summers. I go home for Christmas. Um, I was very fortunate to have a family cottage growing up. So we had a place that we could go on a lake that was literally less than an hour away from Ottawa. Um, it was beautiful. I grew up playing hockey too. So I definitely loved the winter, not so much anymore, but when I was younger, I loved it. Um, it's definitely like, there's just a lot. If you're an outdoors person, there's so much to do. Yeah. So, so what were your like, yeah. childhood vacations? Like, did you go to the cottage every weekend or was yeah, like I grew up with a single mother, so we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So I didn't even get on my first plane until I was 18. Um, so our vacations were always to the cottage or to Toronto or <laughs> that's basically it. Like we didn't do too much growing up. So where did you first get on the plane to then when you were 18? The Dominican Republic. <laughs> okay. Which for those that no, yeah. don't know is like, on the on the same island as Haiti, it's on the same island. The name of the island escapes me. What's that called? Hispaniola. That's the one. Yeah. So Dominican yeah. Republic's on one half and Haiti's on the other half. Um. So what? Why it did is, you end up going yeah. there? That is your first holiday. Yes. Yeah, it's like my first holiday away from like family. I went with a bunch of girlfriends um, when we were almost finished high school. So that's what we did. Okay. Like <laughs> so the, it was fun. That's cool. Like when we go, when we were like 18 yeah. or 17, we go to like Spain or we go to Greece, but your, that your version of that holiday was going down to the Dominican. Yep. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that exactly. sounds good. So yeah, thank you very much for coming on Jen. Like the fact that you've lived in all these all around the world and all these like really different countries um, I think you're really well qualified to uh, come on Travel Bubble. So thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks. So that being said, I might jump in um, and go with your first Travel Bubble destination. First would be Haiti. <laughs> Haiti. Okay. I thought you would yeah. probably pick Haiti. Uh, so. Yeah. 
simple question why um i think just the, the years of being there it definitely gets under your skin and like in a good way um and if you travel the country i've been almost everywhere in haiti there's so many beautiful places outside of port-au-prince that's all people think of is port-au-prince and port-au-prince has not much to offer but if you get out of port-au-prince and like view the country more it's an awesome place to to see yeah it's it's beautiful isn't it like it's like untouched amazing beauty like we were uh, me and emma were looking at a video a couple of a couple of days ago and yeah. it was like me and you on a boat i think we just went on the beach for the like me and you and emma on, on a boat and the background is just incredible like somehow like jurassic park or something it, it was absolutely beautiful and yeah the, the local exactly. beach we were teaching in a city called saint mark like we could go to a beach in like yeah. 10 minutes, couldn't we? And that is like one of the nicest beaches you've ever seen in your life. And it's just, exactly. It was just exactly like, yeah, those little things were huge for me. Like I missed that. I like, it's nice. You know, I have a lake here, but it's not the same as a, as a beach and an ocean. You know what I mean? That part for Haiti just sold it for me. It was so nice going almost every weekend to a beach and just laying in the sun, swimming, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> I used to love our days. We get at the cooler box, go down yeah. to this little private beach and just spend the whole day there. Exactly. Uh, and one of the memories that sticks in my mind is that at about dusky time, like five o'clock, four o'clock, you'd have a few like young local couples and they'd all go into the water and they'd yeah. all split off and they'd all have sex in the water, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> because because you they had nowhere else to do it like it was exactly because they yeah. all live with their parents <laughs> yeah exactly so I, yeah. I always remember that not in a pervy way but it's, it's definitely no, but it's, it's very obvious <laughs> <laughs> no, that was great um yeah. so how, how did you end up in haiti like what was what brought you there um i was working at an international school in istanbul and i was looking around and I kind of had worked in the private schools for a while that I was wanting something a bit different. So I came across a posting for Haiti for the school. Haiti was not on my destination list. I'll be honest. Um, I chose the school. I really liked what the school stood for. And back then the school definitely was doling out more money because they paid for me to fly to visit the school from Turkey. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I literally went and visited the first year they opened. So things were very different. <laughs> um, I didn't get to see anything though, because school was canceled for the, the whole time I was there because they were having a protest. <laughs> was that, did that give you like a sense of what was, so, what was coming? Oh. No, because it wasn't a protest because of the government. It was literally our school protesting the city, closing the doors of the school because we had gotten, they'd gotten two brand new buses right. and the, the Duan, like the customs was holding them for $50,000. So they said, okay, fine. We're going to close our school till you give us our buses. That like that so, is like a... I didn't... For me, yeah. I was naive. I'll be honest. I moved to Haiti very naive, but now I'm very more aware of like, yeah. <laughs> well, that, that'll just give you a sense of like maybe the corruption that is going on there because like these these were like donations. These, these were American school buses that were donated for this like charity charity school which was set yeah. up in saint mark to like give education and in one of the like haiti's poor in, in any way but it was just yeah. like a poor area and these uh french french businessmen we connect with strong connections with haiti set up this school 
and the fact that they're getting these buses and they wouldn't even let the buses go out of customs because they wanted the the customs and excise tax is like that's what you're faced faced with like on a daily basis let's say constant Mm. yeah but you stayed there for seven years so why (laughs) um so yeah, it's okay. It's my past, but I, within five months of moving there, I met my ex-husband. So he was definitely a huge force of why I stayed there. Um, and I liked working for the school as much as it had its like quirks and whatever. I really did like working for the school because we had a lot of leeway of like how we could run our classrooms of like creativity you know, we had a curriculum, but it was like, do whatever you want, as long as you do the curriculum, like, as long as you get the objectives completed, awesome, which is exactly how I like to teach. So yeah. that was really nice. Yeah. No, and like, it's a bit of a cliche, but the kids were really great as well, weren't they? Yeah, they were awesome. Yeah. So that definitely, every year it was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to stay another year. And then you look back and you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Like when we, when we moved there, like you were like the you were like the person who look, like looked after us and took us like under your wing, let's say, and like took us to Port-au-Prince and took us to all these beautiful areas that we wouldn't have been able to go to, like literally wouldn't be able to go to if it wasn't for you. So it was, it was great. We had some great weekends away, didn't we? We did. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so you, you mentioned it at the beginning. Where, where are these, some of these places that you recommend people go to when they're in? They're in? So my two favorite cities in all of Haiti would be Jacmel in the South, right on the ocean. And then Ocap, which is like what they call it in Creole or Cap Haitien for in French in the North. Um, actually just outside of Cap, Cap Haitian is where they have Labadzi, which is where the cruise ships actually dock. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but the city itself is gorgeous. It's like got Spanish influence. Uh, it's easy to navigate cause it's a grid system. So like, the streets all let's say running one direction are all letters and then the other direction they're all numbers so it's very easy to navigate okay. um and then in jacques mal too it's just gorgeous right on the waterfront and it has yeah like i just those cities are just more they have a lot going on but it's not as hectic as port-au-prince but then there's just more yeah so you get a lot that you feel like you're doing a lot but that you're not constantly looking over your shoulder of like i have to be aware of everything so yeah yeah i ended up i went to jack mel i, I ran to jack mel from fort prince which was which yeah. is exciting i won uh, one of the only ultra marathons in haiti or probably the only ultra marathon in haiti over the hill but we the reason i mentioned it yeah. is we went we passed through Fursy, which was like little village little town in the mountains and we we went there with you and that is a special little place yeah like you stay in like a little tree yeah. house uh, that place is, yep that place isn't open anymore it's too bad um oh, the treehouse place i think they closed last year oh it's a shame yeah i know because like that was one of my favorite places like yeah, yeah, you could literally escape from anywhere and go up there, couldn't you? I know. And and finally you get a break from the heat because like I love the heat, but Haiti is no joke. Like every day it's over 30 degrees, you know, so you're going up to Fursi and you're like, ah, it's 15 degrees, it's 10, I need a sweater or a toque. Like it's it's cold. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so 
You just drink a little more. <laughs> yeah, remember that little bar we went to? Like, I was just gonna say that random <laughs> bar. That was like the nightclub. <laughs> yeah, that was the club. Was it called the club? Yeah. <laughs> like it's a good that, name. Yeah, this, that'd be my <laughs> recommendation if <laughs> someone's doing Haiti. Get yourself up there. Yeah. Um, that was amazing. I really, I really loved it. Like prestige, and you uh, prestige is the beer in Haiti, isn't it? But you're more of a Guinness girl, aren't you? I am a Guinness girl, and then I really got into drinking rum. So now I love rum, like Babanku, <laughs> which is their, which is their Haitian rum. I love. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so good. Yeah, I remember we'd finish school and we'd go down to the local bar. What was that place called? Taino. Taino, yeah, yeah. I was only there for a short time, but it's just yeah. pretty much predominantly fond memories. But like you, like you say, like you, you've left there now, so you can look back on it with rose tinted glasses and think of all like, the good times and all the like, all the good times that you had exactly so like it's good like i said it, it it's still like it's on my list of the travel bubble because i know it's still somewhere i'd want to go but if you're not ready to like look inside yourself or ready to i don't know kind of get emotionally beat down a lot it's not the place to live you know like you're constantly being asked for money you're constantly uh, wondering if people you're friends with are really your friends or, you know what I mean? And then the corruption is like insane. So you just, it's not for the faint of heart. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I remember seeing at one point you got helicopter, like helivaced out there. Yeah. Um, so February of 2019, the country was like, yeah, they were under, um, yeah. They, so it was protesting really bad. They were blocking all the major routes to even get to Port-au-Prince um, so our school, we'd been on site for maybe two and a half, two and a half weeks without being able to leave the school. And we just got word it was going to get worse and worse. And then there was no gas or diesel to fill the generator that our school ran on to have power. So then our director basically contacted the foundation and we got the authorization that we could get helicopter, like, yeah, heli- like to go to the airport so we could fly out. Yeah. That's scary, isn't it? Yeah. A little bit scary for sure, because you just don't know and then it's scary too because you're like that's your life there and you're leaving it and you don't know when you're going to go back yeah like you li- all <laughs> so, your stuff like yeah. literally all your stuff your life was in here it was there and you had to leave yeah and we could only bring a carry-on that was it when we left so it's like just bring your most important things okay <laughs> but, you, but you managed to get back there after that that's correct isn't it as well Yep. I was yeah. back there for another year. No, not, not even. Oh my gosh. Sorry. Time's escaping me. Yeah. I, when I got back there, I was back there for maybe another eight months yeah. and then everything hit the fan again in the country. So <laughs> crazy. But yeah. Um, on a more positive note, what would be your must do activity in Haiti? What would you recommend people do? So one of the experiences that sticks out the most in my head is actually probably some of the routes that you did your run. I did that as a hike. Um, instead of running to Jacmel, me and the group of people hiked. It's a two day hike. You start in first sea, like what you were saying, which is about 45 minutes outside of Port-au-Prince and you walk through the mountains to Jacmel. And that is still, I did that in 2015 and it still sticks out in my memory. It was amazing. It was raw. There's no one around. There's no cars. There's like not even motorcycles in most places. And you're just walking and it's just beautiful. The, the mountains, it's like, that's the thing. That's the Haiti people need to see because it's gorgeous. It's, it is really gorgeous, isn't it? And then you finish in Jack Mel, right on yeah. the beach. Like, and you just literally walk into the water because your legs hurt so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I did. It was, 
that is beautiful and like I said and that in that way you get to see Fursey as well like have a have a night in Fursey and then walk over the mountains and yeah well we had a night in um Seguin, which is right up in the total middle area you might have been up there too we stayed at Kai Winnie it's this like older Haitian man and he just rents out his his rooms in his house because so many people now do this hike yeah um it was awesome just like fresh food that he grew right on his plot of land you know like the lamb he slaughtered the lamb himself we ate it later that day like it was just like so oh, cool. awesome <laughs> nice yeah well yeah, yeah so that be so that being said what would be your haitian food of choice so my favorite food hands down is griot which is uh fried pork i love it so much with like an a mountain of pickles on it Pickles is like a fermented cabbage that's very spicy, but amazing. I'm not a fan of coleslaw, but this, uh, if you had to call it something in English, which I think Haitians would kill me if I did that, but coleslaw, but you call it pickles, it's amazing. So it's cabbage, carrots, hot peppers, and just ferments. And then it's just so good. (laughs) And then banan pezé, which is like fried plantains. That would be my favorite meal. Yeah, pickles are, and I've never seen them done anywhere else. I've tried to make my own like pickles with like with chili, but it's just not the same as pickles. It's such a, Mm-mm. it's hard to recapture that. I've tried, to, it's hard. <laughs> but yeah, it is a bit like a, it's like a pickle coleslaw, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Without, without all the mayonnaise and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll put a recipe on the show notes and people will get an idea of it. You should, yeah, because it is, it's, it's so good. And over time, I, I've realized like so many places around the world have Haitian restaurants or Caribbean restaurants where they might have pickles. Yeah. So your listeners might be able to find it where they are. Yeah, true. <laughs> so is there anything else you'd like to say about Haiti before we move on to your country number two? Uh, no, just, I th- okay, the one thing I want to say is I, I think everyone would have to give it a shot. Um, but again, it's it's a place that you'd almost need to go with someone who's already been there. It's yeah. not a simple place to just drop in and travel. <laughs> So I'd recommend if you can find someone who would go with you, go. Yeah. If you say, oh, you've been to Haiti or you've, people go, oh, why did, why did you go there? But people only see the bad news and the bad things on the t- on the TV, but then then they'll go on holiday yeah. to the Dominican Republic. Imagine like an untouched, well, exactly. more beautiful version of the Dominican Republic. And that's Haiti. That's but a it, good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> it, you have to take the rough with this move. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. Like I said, I was only there for a short time, but it's stuck in my mind and I do think about it a lot. I, I definitely think about the kids an awful lot. Oh, I know. Me too. Oh, well, country number two, Jen, what would be your travel bubble destination number two? Number two would be the Czech Republic. Hey, okay. Yeah. Why the... Oh my gosh. I have the fondest memories of living there. And also it would be my number one choice to live for the rest of my life. If I could, if I could get a job there again, I would live there in a heartbeat. I like the culture a lot. Like it's, it's a difficult language to learn. So I didn't learn a lot of the language, but I lived in Prague. So in Prague, a lot of people speak English. So it was like, you could navigate, but also everyone has their own opinions. I think the Czech Republic has some of the best beers in the world. Yeah. Hands down. There's that fact that they drink the most beer per person than anywhere else. Including children. That stat includes children because I think they wanted to bring it down. Otherwise, men and women would be drinking so much. 
<laughs> so when when were you there? How long were you there for? I was there for a year. I was there from 2010 to 2011. I went back in 2012 to visit. I haven't had a chance to go back, but it's on my list when the country when hopefully the world opens up. <laughs> yeah, so I, I lived in Slovakia, but basically Slovakia and the Czech Republic and every week I used to move to a different town around those two countries. So I got to see a lot of the a lot of uh Czech. Nice. Like you say, it's it's beautiful and beautiful landscape and the beer as well. Like the beer the beer, the beer and the food and the attitudes yeah. of the people. It's just a cool place to be. Oh my god, it is. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So what sort of stuff did you do there when you're in the country? Um, so I taught there, but then on the weekends, like tried to travel around as much as I could. I, I, having played hockey, I really got into Euro league hockey, like watching it. So me and a friend used to travel around the Czech Republic to watch the, one of the local teams play in different cities, which was amazing because that's a good idea. Czechs take hockey very, very seriously. (laughs) And then add to that, that you can buy a beer for like a dollar versus in Canada, beer at a game would be 10. People are just pissed. (laughs) 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 <laughs> it's so, always a good <laughs> so were there any highlights of little towns that you went to outside of Prague um I don't know like they they all had their own little like niche stuff because then you'd find out that this little town had its own little beer that they were brewing in you know in their town that maybe wasn't in the in Prague yet right because they had their when I was there the microbrewery scene was like starting to really like come off um so that was kind of the cool part. And like, like the beer festivals too were massive. So like not even just the one in the, in Prague, which was awesome, but I went to one in Budiovice or Budiovice. Yeah. It was towards the Slovakian border and it was amazing. It was like, and just so cheap because it's a, you know, they want you to try every beer and yeah. yeah. So all the little towns are cool. Like my brother came to visit while I lived there. We went to Pilsen where pilsner was literally like invented yeah went on the beer tour like of the factory it was so cool like just seeing how everything and then to drink literally like a pilsner or cal right out of like a barrel was just like oh my gosh so, so good, good. yeah so good. <laughs> no there's there's definitely some places to see outside of prague isn't there but then prague got so much to offer as well it does because like there's so much to do just you know, just even the beer gardens, that for me was the nice, that was always fun after work, get a few people go sit and have a few beers in the beer garden. There's all different beer gardens all around the city. Um, and they all have their different positives, right. Of why you'd go to this one or this one. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, what would be your must do activity in, in Czech? Um, so my, <laughs> me and a group of friends, we, um, we paddled down the river that cuts through Karlovivari and it's common like as from June until about the end of August, people put in huge dinghies or rafts and all along the, the river, there's bars. Um, okay. So basically you're just hopping in and you're just paddling along and just drinking and paddling until the end. And it's like over two days, I think we did 20 K. Where's, where's like, that? Karlovivari. Okay. No, Chesky, no, 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 not Carly Vivari. Sorry, I'm Luke. Chesky Krumlov. Oh, so Chesky Krumlov, okay. They have a river that runs through it, and it's really popular. So we did that, and it was amazing. That sounds <laughs> class. So you literally just get a dinghy and, like, go from bar to bar. Like, yeah. 
like the first day on the Saturday, we dropped our dinghy in at like maybe 9 a.m. And then we literally paddled for two minutes and there was a bar and we're like, let's go. And the guy serving us was hilarious. He's like, oh, you've been on for a bit. We're like, two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds class. I really want to do that right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I recommend it. And it was really, because in the Czech Republic, like a lot of the Eastern European countries have name days. So they celebrate their birthday and their name day. So my friend's husband, who's Czech, it was his name day on the Saturday. So we all just got, I don't even know how we made it to the end, like at all, because we were drinking rum, beer, like everything. <laughs> so. And Jesse Crumlove itself is like a fairy tale, beautiful. Like if you picture like an old medieval town, like in the, from a film in your mind, it probably it probably isn't as nice yeah. as Chetty from Love. Exactly. I know. It's beautiful. Like we went there on the Friday and that so that at night we could look around the castle and go around the city. And it is. It's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, that oh, is, a, that is a definitely a must-do activity. I, I want to go and do that now. Yeah. I would recommend it a hundred percent. Yeah, and that that's every year. What, what what around what month is that? So we went near the end of June. And it's, they run it like that you can get in and that the bars are opening probably to like maybe beginning of September, depending how cold it gets in September, but all summer. So from like June to the end of August, for sure, it's running. Okay. And then like, do you, do you bring your own, bring your own dinghy or is it like, a, is it a thing that you go and rent it? And No, it's a, it's a thing. So there's like companies that you rent the dinghy from and they give you the paddles and the dinghy, depending how big or small you want it. Like ours fit six people. You can get ones, I think that fit eight and then you can get ones with just for two. <laughs> Class. So that's that's the travel bubble yeah. excursion. When things open up, that's the first thing that we're going to do. Hey, oh anyone listening that wants to come, let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll rent you a dinghy. That'd be so good, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, what would be your food of choice? Um, so the, the one thing I really liked, and I guess it was more probably like a drinking food, if you're drinking to have it, like you probably had it if you're there, smajini sear, which is fried cheese. Yeah so good like and they serve it you can have it as a sandwich like literally the, this patty of fried cheese in between bread and then they like it's like oh my gosh it's so good um kiosk at least when i was there they had kiosks that all in like once this is square and like the main squares that sold beer and sausage but i think they were trying to get rid of them i don't know if they did but they were trying no there's definitely still a, still a couple of them knocking about in the main square yeah good good <laughs> i remember I went last time I went, they, they were proper moody with people like, because there's, there's so many tourists in Prague now. And it's yeah. been horrible to this, this tourist. And I was like, mate, he literally doesn't know what, doesn't understand what he's saying. Leave him alone. Give him a break. Yeah. He was pro proper shouting, probably being proper aggressive to this Chinese tourist. And yeah, it was really, that's just a bit, a bit of an aside, but it was just, it really annoyed me. And I, I remember this man just being horrible to this man. I didn't like it. But, <laughs> Uh, no, I love Prague. I love I love the whole Czech Republic. The company I I work for, Intrepid, have this thing called like Urban Adventures, and they do like a beer tour through oh. Prague, and you go to like seven different microbreweries, and you have food in each place, and that's a really good night. If you're ever in Prague, I'd recommend doing that, like because you get to see some bars that you wouldn't normally go to, maybe a bit further out, not just in the centre that like you go all around. So that's a, that was a really good night. I've done that. Yeah, yeah, because like that's the thing. And that's cool that you did that and that there's that type of thing because I find, you know, the touristy bars are just so many right in the main center, but there's so much more than what, 
even if you went just a different district or a different like neighborhood, you'd be getting beers for half the price and what you would at right in the middle. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Except there's one bar. I love. Did you go to the pub? Uh, no, I don't think I did actually. So Tell it's literally an acronym, the pub. So the Pilsner or unique bar. And it's for like Pilsner or Cal. Every table has taps. You serve your own beer and it's a competition against every table of how many oh, beers you can drink. That's class. <laughs> and we won. Did One you? time we won. That's good. <laughs> yeah, we were really pumped. <laughs> how, how does it work though? Could you all at different times or is it just like your table for the, for the night you, you have the most? Like, yeah. How do you gauge, how do you gauge that <laughs> of when that person came? Um, I think it is just based on your table every time the table changes they'd obviously redo the, yeah. the ticks the tallies but yeah, okay. your experience there is probably similar most people especially checks when they go to a bar they're there for a long time like they're putting in hours yeah i'm yeah. I'm, I'm partial to a beer actually i do quite like a beer and i just mm-hmm. i love like the big um just getting a big tank of beer and just knocking back the first one <laughs> it's cold but the thing about the check beer as well is they have like different, like they have like the things called schnitz, which is like nine yeah. tenth head and one tenth yeah. beer. So, or like there's the other's half and a half. So if you like, depending on what you ask for, you could say, "Oh, give me a schnitz of Pilsner or Quell," and that is literally a glass full of head. Like you're having a pint of head. Oh, I know, I know. Um, but Czechs take they take how their beer is poured like insanely seriously because like my friend's husband's check and we'd be out at bars. If I got a beer and he's like, no, that was not pulled correctly. Send it back. And I'm yeah. like, no, I'm fine. Like, it would be off by like this, like the smallest minute fraction of the line that it was supposed to be. I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm thirsty. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, it's a great place. Yeah. And like you say, all the, all the beer food, like you can just have snacking, snacking with the beers. It's yeah. a great, great place oh, to go. It is. I recommend it. <laughs> Yeah. And like if you do go to go go to Prague, do get out as well, go to Chesky Crumlov, go to Bernal, go to the other cities knocking about. I think what you yeah. said about following the hockey team, check check the hockey listings and go and find a local game because I've had some good nights at Slovak yeah. um hockey games. One of the best sporting events I've ever been to was at a Slovak hockey game. Really? Yeah, it was properly intense. I even ended up like shouting and cheering for this team, this local team. But like you say, you just have loads of beer. And everyone was really mm-hmm. into it. It was the playoffs. So yeah. it, it was like, it was mad, but it was just so good. And it was my first hockey game, but obviously you know what's going to, you know what's going on, but it was just a really fun, yeah. fun night out. So that's a good idea. Just wow. check the listings and see if there's any hockey games yeah. on and go and check it out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Is there anything else you'd like to say about Czech before we move on? No, that's pretty good. Like I think a lot of people that like with the Czech Republic, a lot of people already have an idea about it and especially about Prague. It's getting a bit busy now. Prague that, yeah go and do the cow off bridge head down go and storm across it and then don't you don't need to go back again it is the history there is beautiful but it's of just course. so busy I'll go, go really early in the morning at 6am before before the city's awake go and run across the cow off bridge or something exactly and then get out of the city like because there's so many places to see so many so yeah and go yeah. and do that ding, rubber dinghy thing in uh oh my gosh a hundred a hundred percent that's good so jen you've had haiti you've had the czech republic what would be your travel bubble destination number three suriname suriname okay why suriname 
Um, so right now, just because honestly, I didn't even, it wasn't even a destination I planned to go to, but it kind of randomly fell into my lap and I went and I loved it. We spent close to two weeks there and it just, it's interesting because there's so many different influences there. It used to be a Dutch colony um, and then it gained independence in 79, but it's still heavily influenced by the Dutch. So that's the, that's the official language of the country. But then a lot of people speak Spanish there. And then a lot of just mixture of like, they've mixed Dutch and Spanish and have their own dialect now too. Okay. Um, so where, where is it? In the Caribbean? No, it's in South America. Right. Mainland South America. Yeah, no, it's, it's on like the Caribbean, like it's at the top. So it's, it's sandwiched between, um, Guiana and French Guinea. Okay, right. Yeah. And so what brought you there? Was it a holiday when you were living in Haiti? Yeah, I was traveling there from Haiti and just went there on one of my vacations and it was really good. It was expensive to get there from Haiti, but I don't think it'd be expensive from other places. But once you're there, it was just so cheap, which is nice, you know, like not very expensive, not expensive to drink, not expensive to eat, not expensive to stay at the different hotels. So... Okay. And what's the landscape like? Is it all green and tropical? Very much so, because it's one of the first entry parts of the Amazon. Okay. So we did that one day. We did the, a tour of like a few hours into the Amazon. It was awesome. Oh, that's class. Yeah. So. So what? It was cool. So what, what's the main city? Like, where would you fly into? What's like the capital of Suriname? We we flew it. Like, flew into Paramaribo. So that's the capital. Okay, yeah, I like, um, I like that name. The airport's almost three hours. Yeah, the airport's almost three hours though outside of Paramaribo, so it's a bit of a hike. <laughs> um, <laughs> One of those package yeah, holidays, was, like <laughs> fly into Paramaribo and then get a three-hour drive. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, I like that. exactly. Um, so yeah, that was that was cool. And then just there's a there's not really beaches there so that but i figure if haiti's already in my travel bubble i have my beaches so, so then paramaribo was just neat it was neat to see the history and then amazon that was just for me really cool because i'd never done anything like that before so that was yeah, cool. is that like a common thing do you have like guides like do you have like guides like yeah yeah we had a guide yeah like you need a guide because it's very easy to get lost and then you probably wouldn't be found. <laughs> yeah, like lost forever. Well, because he, our guide explained to us that on for him to be a guide, he had to train for a bunch of months. And then the final like part of your training is three months, uh, sorry, three days and nights alone in the Amazon. <laughs> that's mad, isn't it? That's definitely yeah. not real. Like that's definitely his his company making him do that. Like dropping him in the middle of the jungle and going, right, if you make it out, we'll come back for yeah. you in four like, days. If you're still alive, the job's yours. Exactly. But we were just like, what? <laughs> that's cool. He's like, all he had was a machete, I think a hammock. And like, so like just really, and we were just like, okay. That's cool. cool. Yeah. I, I didn't have to do that for my tour guide in job. Uh, I didn't think so. <laughs> Give it a go, though. Give it a go. <laughs> um, 
So were you based in Paramaribo for the full time or did you go to the different no, places? Yeah, we were based in Paramaribo for the, for the full time because we didn't plan too much. It was pretty an impromptu trip. Um, so I'd want to go back to see a lot because it seems delving down more into the Amazon, that seems like there's a lot, but it is like, it's pretty untouched that country as well. Like Paramaribo is pretty much the main hub where everyone is. Okay. And then you, you just like do day trips and like excursions from Paramaribo. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Yeah. That did cool. it feel safe? Did it yeah, any- it, it did. Like I, I felt safe because we'd be out at night and walk around because um, you meet a handful of people there that speak English, but most people don't. So there'd be times at night where it's like you try and get a taxi and it's like, okay, never mind. You just walk. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we, f- we figured it out. And yeah, I felt, I felt safe there for sure. That's great. Yeah. Um, so what would be your must do activity when you're there? To the Amazon. Yeah. Like, like that's it, a no brainer, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Any, and cause there's a bunch of different ones you can choose from. We chose just like the day hike that just took maybe, I think it was five hours or six, but it took us to a few waterfalls and just kind of getting an idea of what it would be like there. But if I was there longer and again, I'd want to do one overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Like go and do a trek and stay, stay in. Exactly. So that's what I would say is like a hundred percent what someone should do. That sounds cool. Okay. Yeah. And what about food when you're in? So food is like really has so many influences because they've had so many people like immigrate there over the like last hundred years. So almost every day we ate roti. (laughs) So like amazing and I love it because I've been to India and I thought about putting India on my travel bubble but to be honest I'm like I don't know but it had the like because I love Indian food so I could get it in Serena <laughs> so we've had India on a few times um would, so India is a place that you 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 even you've thought about putting in yeah. your travel bubble okay I did yeah because India is very divisive so I've had it on as a, as a destination a few times and I've also had people messaging me saying India's on my top of list of places not to ever go back to so i think it's one of those places where you either really love it or you hate it yeah that's a good way to put it i liked it but not enough that it's in my top three yeah okay so would would the rotis be the dish to have when you're in Suriname? i would say 100 percent, or asian food because they have a large asian population there so there's a lot of asian restaurants like a lot of chinese restaurants and like legit chinese food because we went one night and had chinese food and it was because i've been to china as well it was like having food in china it wasn't like having like you know canadian chinese food that's yeah, just yeah. Not very good <laughs> okay that sounds yeah. cool yeah is there anything good. else you'd like to say about Suriname before no i just think people should go because like the amazon thing was cool because i know there's a lot of other places in south america you can see the amazon of course but i think for there it's just so untouched and you wouldn't have like we literally it was a private tour we didn't even plan it to be but we're the only two people on the tour yeah like i don't know anyone who's been to Suriname. like you you see people go to south america like they'll go to brazil go to argentina like bolivia like colombia that sort of thing but i've never heard anyone go to Suriname. how how did you end up going there like what uh it i'll be honest it was because my ex-husband with a haitian passport it's very hard to travel we tried to go to saint martin and his visa was denied and then literally i looked up and they can get a visa upon arrival so i was like oh let's just go there (laughs) we're so lucky aren't we with like canadian or british or american passports 
I, you don't even think about yeah. that. But I remember when you were with your ex-husband, I remember you, that you were going through things like that. You had to literally plan where you could go and like months in advance, get go to embassies and get stamps yeah. and submit loads of documents yeah. and just to go on holiday. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, we are very lucky to have our passport. I'm not sure how, how useful my British passport is going to be now Brexit's coming. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> still better though. Like no, you'll no. still be able to travel. Right? It's just that the working aspect of the EU will be different. Yeah, exactly. I've not even thought about me me working in, in Europe yet yeah. Yeah. because all, I can't even do tours there at the minute because everything's shut down anyway. So yeah, it's even cross my mind, but I'm sure they will, they will have, have some impact on my work negative impact anyway yeah. so Jen we've had your three yeah. countries we've had Haiti we've had Czech Republic and we've had Suriname what would be your fourth wildcard destination so my wildcard is Turkmenistan right um, just I've been so fascinated with going there for years um, so it that's that's in my bubble. <laughs> no, like it's, it's a good bubble country to have because it's really hard to get into, isn't it? it, it very hard. Yeah. The visa process is crazy. But now it's in your, yeah, now it's in your bubble. I can let you in. Thanks. Yeah. It'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So why, why, why are you fascinated with it? Is it because it's so difficult to get into? And um, it's not even just because it's so difficult to get into. It's that it's so bizarre. It's like the cousin of North Korea in my eyes. Um, I was reading about it. Re- like I've read about it for a while now. And it's just like the capital city, everything's white. It has to be all cars, all buildings. Everything has to be white. Um, their leader, their president, but well, it's probably a dictator, but anyways, <laughs> um, he liked so he, he, his mom, he, like, he likes her name so much. That's the name of April in their language now is his mom's name. <laughs> yeah. Like mad facts like that. That's yeah, so cool. Exactly. And the fire of hell. I'd love to go see that. The fire of hell that's been burning since like the seventies now. And they don't yeah, know like, why and they don't know how to stop it. Yeah. Like the entrance to the gates of hell. It's just a big fire, big, a big hole in the ground that's on fire, isn't it? Yeah. Like, and that's a tourist attraction. <laughs> yeah. And I just think that that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is yeah. one of those countries that, like, it is fascinating. I'd love to go there. I really would. Yeah. I think, yeah, the like it's, but it looks beautiful too outside of the main, the capital. If you look again, it like the countryside and all that looks beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah. So, no, it's a good fell bubble uh, wildcard destination. I know, I know one guy who went there. He was oh. doing like the Mongol rally and he they he managed to get like a pass and he went in there for a few days and he like he's so he's so lucky to have been there and he he said it was bizarre but beautiful as well and like exciting. Oh, okay. Well that's good to know. Yeah. But I think it's <laughs> it's one of those the harder it is to get there and the more forbidden it is and the, the more secretive, the more like you want to go there, isn't it? Like yeah. North Korea. You wanna go go and have a peek at what's happening in North Korea, things like that. Hundred percent. So that's that's definitely like that's a factor for sure. It's the like yeah, the elusiveness of it. It's like ooh. <laughs> no, so thank you very much, Jen. So you, there, there are your four travel bubble destinations. So before you go, Jen, I'd like to ask you some generic travel questions, if that's okay. Okay. 
You've lived in six countries. Two of them are on your list, Haiti and the Czech Republic. What about the other places you've lived? How, what were they like to be an expat in? Like, I'm, I'm particularly thinking, you, do you live in Istanbul? What was that like as a place to live? Um, I, I liked it. Uh, it was a little more difficult being a woman living there, I'll be honest. So I, that's something that was something to take in consideration of why I didn't stay a second year, but I would go back there as a tourist for sure. The food there is phenomenal and it's an awesome country too. When you get outside of Istanbul, there's so much to see too. Like I went, I saw Went to Cappadocia, which is amazing. It's like literally looks like it's out of like Dr. Seuss's mind and it's the caves and all that. So cool. Went on a road trip, like down the coast, um, not all the way down to the South, but probably halfway down. And it was just, yeah, it was awesome. So I would recommend going to Turkey for sure. So what problems were you running into when you were living there as a woman? What was uh, I just, it wasn't the same. Like I didn't feel as safe maybe at night to go, you know, cause when I lived there, I lived on the Asian side, but most of my friends lived on the European side. So going between the two at night, you'd either take a taxi or you'd take a Donmush, which is like their, their big bus that just fills with people. Um, that was okay. But then if you walk home, right, they don't drop you right at your house. So I don't know. There's just times where I just didn't feel, and there's a lot of, um, sexism i'd say the masculinity like just men telling you what's up and it's like okay <laughs> yeah. okay because i it's still a culture where the men dominate which i'm not that type of personality so. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um and how did that compare to south korea where, where were you in south korea in south korea i was in suwon which is about 45 minutes outside of Seoul it's even on the it's still on their metro because they have a massive metro system so i was still on the metro line to get to Seoul. So that was a good place to live. Uh, I liked it, but I was younger. I was only 24. So it was a good place to be when I was really young. Cause you just party. That's like, all you did is just party. Cause there's just, there's literally when I was there, which was in 2009 to 2010, there was over 11,000 English teachers living in the country. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it was fun, but it just, it, I knew that wasn't where I was going to like set up shop forever. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. And Honduras, one of the most like, murder rate highest murder rate in the world per capita i think that's off, off the top yeah. of my head yeah. how did you end up there and what was that like i know um, you were only there for a short time or very short it was supposed to be longer but the pandemic hit so oh. <laughs> um i had been let go from my job in haiti because it was too dangerous and then i was home and wanted to do something so i came across an opportunity to volunteer teach and make a small stipend and i was still being paid for my job in haiti so it was like one of those opportunities in life where i could go and make like nothing yeah you know okay I mean? and still be able to survive uh so i was in villanueva which is about 45 minutes outside of san pedro sula which is i think the second largest city in honduras or the third um it was like it was interesting i didn't get to do much because literally two and a half months in no two months in two months in everything went to lockdown like full lockdown martial law military in the streets um, curfews, the border was completely closed. They weren't even accepting expat like the repatriation flights until like we were on lockdown there for almost three weeks, which I know isn't as long as you in Australia, but we couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't even leave the city. Um, so the minute I could get a flight, I got out because I just knew I wasn't planning to stay there. I was only there for a short period of time. Anyways. So how, how did you end up getting out? What was that situation like? 
So a lot of contact with the embassy, the Canadian embassy, but they couldn't do, they were helping more people. So Roatan is an island that's a Honduran, like a Honduran island that's in the Caribbean, like, do you mean? Um, So that's where most people go, like tourists. So they were helping all those tourists, sending them back to Canada. But we had no way of getting to Roatan because there were no even domestic flights. So eventually they had flights coming down that were going to the U.S. And as a Canadian, we were allowed to board the flight to then fly to Canada. Okay. That's a faff, isn't it? Oh, fuck yeah. But (laughs) at least I would go back there because I'm interested to like to see more, right? I didn't have a chance. So that kind of... Yeah, absolutely. sucked. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So are the are there any countries on your um, travel bubble or any any countries that just missed out on making your travel bubble list? Um, yeah, I would say probably like Guatemala just ma- just narrowly like made. I but I've only been here for four months, um, but I've already had an opportunity to travel a lot around Guatemala, and I can definitely see why people like it here. So if I, it was almost in. <laughs> okay. Like if I talk to you probably in a few more months, it probably would have switched places with Sarnam. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yeah. What would be your top travel tip for someone about to set out on the open road? I think just being open. Like with travel, you have to be, especially if you're traveling kind of just, you know, going place to place and not staying at like an all-inclusive resort. If you're going to, you know what I mean, move around, you have to be open and you have to be ready that your plans can change. <laughs> You know, for me, I definitely am not a traveler that goes to all-inclusive resorts. So I've had to get used over the years of like, okay, I plan this. Okay. You have to be ready that that's not going to happen. So I think being open and. Yeah. So be flexible. Yeah. There. Thank you. <laughs> I know he'll yeah. be open and flexible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, that's a good travel philosophy to have. Yeah. What would be your best travel souvenir you've got from all your places you've been to? Um, Probably. <laughs> So it's packed away. It's probably at my mom's house. It's uh, so friends of mine, when I was in the Czech Republic, we were at the beer Prague beer festival. And there was a huge stag party from the UK and they came over and were like wanting us to do um, funnels like beer funnels. And my friends basically were like oh, in front of an entire tent of thousands of people. Um, so that was amazing. <laughs> and then my friends took the, the tablecloth, like just being like, you need this tablecloth as a memory. <laughs> like, okay, thanks. Did, did, so you, you won, yeah? Yeah, I won. Yeah, nice one. <laughs> a, leader, a leader. A leader. I never, like, I was just like, holy cow. Like, when they're filling it up, and I was like, oh my God, that's a liter of beer that I had to do, like, super fast. <laughs> that's cool. That's nice. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, it serves those British stag dudes, right, doesn't it? Kind of. (laughs) We've talked about the positives of travel. Have you ever been in any like dangerous, sticky situations? Uh, Yeah, I've been in a few actually. (laughs) Okay, so tell me about them. Um, I would like, again, it's, it's hard to say, but it's because like it's Haiti. But again, it's because I was there so long. I have to remind people there, my experiences are more, you know, are a lot more there because I spent so much of my life there. Yeah, yeah. I had some of my most dangerous experiences there, I'd say for sure. Is there any that stick out in your mind? Um, yeah, just, you know, over time, like, so my first few years in Haiti were awesome. The country was more stable, but as my years went on, the country became less and less stable. We're just even driving to Port-au-Prince from St. Mark was dangerous because you could get into a roadblock or you could get into protesting on the sides of the roads. So just that. And I drove a lot of times by myself. I owned my own car there. 
and just being like, okay, if something hits the fan, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. You just have to be ready and like be your own edge basically because you don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. But definitely over the, over time there, it helps. So I learned the language and can speak it. So I had to pick up a friend at an airport. And as I was driving there, I noticed less and less cars were driving the opposite direction and more and more cars were parked on the side of the road. So I was like, okay, something's definitely going on. So I pulled into a gas station and asked a guy what was going on. And he's like, oh, like if you don't, and it's funny, I would never do this in most places, but he's like, I could help you get through. Cause I'm like, I have a friend, she's not from here. She doesn't have a telephone. There's no way I can tell her no one's meeting her at the airport. Yeah, he knew everybody. We'd get to a roadblock, he'd go up and they'd be like, okay. And they just like motion us through. He got in the car with you. He got in the car with me and he maneuvered that I got to the airport. Uh, So that was definitely amazing. (laughs) That's lucky, isn't it? Very lucky. <laughs> so, did he want yeah. anything for that, or was he just like just a character? Uh I think he was just a character, but he just knew everybody because yeah. he was in that area. And probably as he went up to everything, being like, "Oh, I got this blah in the car, and blah means foreigner." Like, probably was just like, you know, probably taking the piss out of me. But that's fine. I don't care. It got me to the airport. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of the things that I found always shocking when we were, when we got stopped by the police or stopped at like a roadblock when we were with um, your ex-husband, Johnny, yeah. he had like um, dreadlocks, didn't he? And a lot of people would look down on dreadlocks in, in Haiti because it'd be like Rasta man. Yeah. Like they didn't, they, they, they weren't, they, they were disrespected. They were treated disrespectfully, weren't they? I always thought that was weird. hundred percent. And then, well, the hair culture in that country is very different, right? Like, our school was different that we worked at because most local schools, boys can't have their hair past a certain amount of like centimeters. Um, so right. for him, the minute he could start growing his hair, he did just as I think as a rebellion and then being a, mu- a musician, it went with his, like his job too. So. Yeah. Okay. I remember when we were driving back from Fursy once they were protesting <laughs> the road being bad. So yeah. they dug up the road. They had made a big fire pit in the road, put all the trees, smashed all the things up. And we were like, there's a chance that we're going to be stuck in, in Fursi and not be yeah. able to go back to school. And we were like, kind of had our fingers crossed. That we I know, gonna... like, please. <laughs> we're like, we'll just go and sit off in, that, in the club for a week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Michelle. <laughs> that would have been good. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like, that was just a roadblock about how bad the road was luckily we managed to get through it yeah that's crazy yeah Uh, um who's been like the dodgiest character you've met in your time that's a hard question probably the haitian police (laughs) (laughs) what what's it like was it a common thing that you had to bribe the haitian police have you always had to have a bit of bribe money knocking about constant like i it was and my car had the it'd be illegal in Canada. It had such tinted windows that you had to have a special permit to have them. So there'd be times the permit would expire. And then it's that stress of like driving from Port-au-Prince to St. Mark, there'd be like five checks you'd have to get through and hope that they just don't look at the date of your paper. Um, But it's always like, yeah, I didn't always have the bribe, but it definitely more often than not. (laughs) Yeah. Grease the palms. But then the tinted windows are also a bit of like a safety Precautions as well, for you, especially if you're alone driving, like you need 100%. those tinted window, windows. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Cause there'd be times I'd like lower my window for the police. They're like, Oh, like so shocked. I'm a white woman. They'd be like, okay. 
And then sometimes they'd let me go because they didn't know if I could speak Creole or not. And they just didn't want to deal with me. They're just like, ale, ale, which means go. It's yeah. like, okay. How long did it take you to, how long did it take you to pick up Creole? Mm, I started feeling comfortable about four years in. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's not one of those languages you can just read a book or get an app. Like nope. you've got to literally learn it from like conversation. Exactly. Active, yeah. yeah. Like there's some resources online because after the earthquake, a lot of people tried to make quick resources because so many foreigners were going down there to, for relief, oh, okay. but those resources aren't good. Like for me, it's like, cause I learned it on the ground and I speak it culturally too. So like the nuances of the language, cause I get that all the time. If I speak to Haitians in Canada or the U S they're like shocked that I'm white. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's mad, so. isn't it? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I bet you it must be hard because leaving that world after seven years, must you must think about it a lot. I do, yeah. Like it, I do. I definitely do. It probably crosses my mind almost every day because it's it's only just been over a year that I've been out, and I think the hardest part is that it wasn't my choice, right? Yeah. Is that the my foundation I worked for? They just viewed everything too dangerous because not to get you know down on your podcast, but you know about eight months before they let us go, the architect had been murdered at our school. So I think that played a factor in finally being like, okay, hey, we need all the foreigners out. So Yeah, that 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 was a crazy story. Like I only met Philly book a few times, a couple of times. Yeah. But he was returning to to school from from the uh, from the bank, getting some money out to pay construction workers from what I believe. And he yep. got someone followed him back and he got gunned down at the gates basically, didn't he? Yeah. Right in front of the gates. Yeah. And I think like as an outsider looking in, that's particularly shocking because when we lived in St. Mark, everyone know who knows who you are really, don't they? Yeah. Like, they know that you're yeah. guys, the teachers at the school, you probably, you've got someone that they know or a relation will probably be at, at the school that we're teaching or the, you, you were teaching. Yeah. And if it was like a safe you felt safe in St. Mark. It was like, yeah. people know, know you are, or someone on the street will know, look out for you because they know that you're a teacher of that school and we're doing yeah. good for those people in that community. Exactly. But then when that happens, it, literally at your doorstep, that, yeah. that can, that's shocking. Was, yeah, it, yeah. Did, was that like, a, did, was that a thing where you got right? I think it's time to get out of here now. Or did you did you like say like double down? Did you think no, I'm I'm gonna stay for Philippe? Uh, I think it was a bit of that, like double down, um, because I knew for sure I wanted to finish that school year because they offered to us after that happened that we could leave right away because they just figured the trauma of, um, and I was very close to Philippe too. He was a close friend I'd known since the minute I moved there. So a little bit different than some of the other foreign staff, but I just knew I wanted to stay. He had poured in 10 years of his life there. So, you know, at least to finish the school year. So, yeah. Yeah. He was an absolute character as well, wasn't he? He was a very... Uh, he would have been perfect for your travel bubble. He would, wouldn't he? Oh my God. The man had been, he'd been everywhere. He'd been, all, he's been to almost every country in Africa. Like he would have been perfect. I remember, he, I think you told us a story, or he, he told us a story, that the, all, all the guards on site had guns, didn't they? And one yeah. night, could these fall asleep with the guns? And one <laughs> night, Philippe literally crawled around, like army crawled around the site, 
and took yeah. all the guns off all the guards and disarmed them all. Yeah. And then like the next day he was like, I've got all your guns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I the, the first night I met him, he started doing one arm push-ups in the restaurant. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> that, that's the kind of character that he was. Yeah. yeah. He was, was over like, he was like over 50 years old, too. He's just like, yeah. you know, and he'd always take it as a child. What do you mean? You don't think I could do that? And everyone would be like, we didn't even ask you to. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, I can't roll up a sleeve. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. it's 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 a it's a shame. Did, yeah. did did anything ever get done about that? Did they find out who did it, or they must know? Think... People must know who did it, or people I... in it's only a small community, isn't it? And things get yeah, get said. I think people know, um, but again, it's a culture that's so ingrained with voodoo um, that people don't want to talk at the the potential of like that. Yeah, well, I, the word voodoo gets gets thrown about a lot, a lot when people talk about Haiti. What is? Can you can you can you talk a bit about voodoo? Uh, what what is it? Yeah, like, so I know a little bit. I'm not gonna. I don't want to like yeah, step yeah. on those if they listen to this, because there's lots of people that would know more. Yeah, but it's called like if you say it in Creole, it's voodoo, like V O D O U, and most communities have like a ugan, which is the head priest of the the community like of their like little i guess i don't know even what that exact term would be but for the, the head of that area of like voodooism and people go there the sad part is everyone views it as negative it's not neg it's not only negative it's positive it's like most religions you could look at a pot there's positives and negatives right so a lot of people go and the ogon will like give them herbs and stuff to take to be like oh you want this to happen in your life try doing this or then they have the Loas, which is LWA, which are all the spirits that they can call on. And there's obviously positive spirits and negative spirits, right? Spirits that are, if you don't know how to use like Vodou can be bad for you, right? So, um, but even if you don't practice it, it's so ingrained in the culture that people believe it, that it'd be like, oh, I'm not going to talk about that because that person could maybe put like a, I want to say spell, but do something. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's one of those things where if something happened in the school, positive or negative, like I suppose you could say one man's, one man's positive is another man's negative. So I say yes. if someone got ill, that means that a new, maybe a new teacher or a new person can get that job because that person's ill. Yes. So then it's like, oh, well maybe someone did something. They did something to that man. So he could get that job. And it's like, yep. Like it's cause and effect. So some, if something yeah. does happen, it can it can always be linked back to oh well, maybe someone's done done something positive or yeah. negative. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> so like it's 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 hard to get away from that because you can associate it with everything. Like oh, I've done, oh, I've just won the lottery. For oh, oh, yeah. oh, I've just lost. I've just not won the lottery. Like yeah, <laughs> I yeah kind of exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so that is probably why like a lot of people and I think people is because I've talked about it with a lot of foreign people that I've worked with in Haiti or foreign people that have heard the story and a lot of people like it sounds like an inside job really because it's just like how did the people like he had just gotten back the day before how did they know he went to the bank you know how were they ready that he was going to take that long at the bank you know just all that stuff so so yeah that that's with Philippe, some people have said that, yeah. Yeah. I uh, think that. Even. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
That's, yeah. that's scary, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's a horrible situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, not to end on a negative, but I, I just think yeah. I just think Haiti is so fascinating. Um, it is. And it's such a, like, especially, it's, it's such a malign country and like, um, like negative people think of it negatively everywhere else yeah. but it is like like you say i'd love to take people there and, and show them some places or but it's just hard um, it's hard isn't it unless you know someone or you've got family there or something it's hard it's yeah. hard just just to break into there and just go there yeah yeah because it's not like most countries that you dive into where at the airport there's there's either public buses you could take, a metro system, um, reliable people that aren't going to rip you off, like at the airport, like for transportation. So right there's the hardest thing. And then the language barrier. If you don't speak the language, even French, I speak French as well. I didn't know Creole when I first moved there. Even French is hard to use in certain areas of the country because mm-hmm. they don't speak it. Only 10% of the country speaks it fluently. So that's huge, right? Yeah. So over time, learning Creole was like my saving grace that I I hope the country in the next few years is more stable because I would love to take people there myself, having lived there so long. And like, there's so many cool places to go. And that'd be a good, that'd be a good talk, talk, talk company. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, thanks very much, Jen. Thanks for coming on. Um, it's been oh, fascinating. You've, you've been around definitely and it is fascinating so i think we could talk for for hours and hours so thank you for coming on uh, it's yeah. been really great thanks you've been listening to travel bubble with me matty dias and my guest jen duvasau episode 16 haiti sherry that was a good one wasn't it and i know haiti featured a lot in that but obviously there's, there's some other gems in there as well like the Czech Republic, I want to go there. I want to go to Suriname now as well. Now I know the, now I know where it is. I want to go there. But I must reiterate, like I know we talked about some negatives and some some of the bad things about Haiti, but it it is one of the most fascinating, one of the most beautiful countries I've ever been to. So if you ever get the chance to go, do go and check it out because it is incredible and the history there is um, amazing in itself. Like Haiti is the only country to ever escape slavery. They they overthrow overthrown the um, the French colonists. Um, Haiti became a free country because of that. So look into that. It's quite quite interesting. And throughout the week, I'll share some some videos of the school that we used to work at, and I'll um, I'll also put some a bit of um, Haitian music on uh, on our Facebook. You might like a bit of that, a bit of compo music. Now it's time for Travel Bubble Film Club. I thought this week, because of Jen's choice, we'd go for a Czech film, and more specifically, a Czechoslovakian film, because this film is actually from 1966, and it's called Daisies. I'll read out the synopsis for you. Two teenage girls decide that since the world is spoiled, they will be spoiled too. They embark on a series of destructive pranks to rebel against a materialistic society. Sounds good, doesn't it? When I live in a place or when I go to a place, I, I love watching the films and the documentaries um, that come from these places because I think it gives you a bit of a glimpse into the culture and what's going on. And so I watched Daisies when I was in living in Czech and Slovakia, Czech Republic and Slovakia, and I was like, wow, this is mad. This is what's happening in... 
Czechoslovakia in 1966. It was just you'll when you watch it, you'll see what I mean. Like this is this is what was going on back then, and these two girls get up to all sorts of mischief. So check out Daisies, find it wherever you can, and give it a watch because I do recommend that. But that's the Travel Bubble Film Club. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Travel Bubble. We're flying along, aren't we? Episode 16. Again, if you wanted to support the podcast, there's a few ways you can do it. You can like us, you can comment, you can share, you can tell people about it. Maybe you've got an old friend who likes travelling and you go, oh, I've got this travel bubble, travel podcast for you. It's called Travel Bubble. Give it a listen. Send them a link. And you can also rate us and follow us and subscribe us, subscribe to us. That all helps as well. A big thanks to Jen for coming on. A big thanks to you for listening. And thank you in advance for rating me five stars on Apple. I really appreciate it. I've been Matty. My guest has been Jen. I'll see you on Saturday for episode 17. Thank you again. Goodbye.